He's Christian. He's Jimmer. And we're back. To another episode of Two Physical Therapists and a Bag of Chips. A Bag of Dutch Crunch. That's uh, quite the alliteration. Dutch Crunch. By Old Dutch. By Old Dutch. Kettle Original chips. kettle chips. We needed to get like a good chip to get the nastiness of last week's chip out of our mouth. That was the worst chip. Really I'm, bad. I'm hoping Dutch Crunch will come through. I, uh, I brought these over from Iowa. You did? Hand yeah. driven. Quite okay. impressive. Got them from, uh, no, they were flown back. But before we discuss the Dutch crunch, we're going to review previous injury as a risk factor and whether or not it's risk factor number one. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm going to start with injury risk is altered by previous injury, a systemic review of the literature and presentation of causative neuromuscular factors. Wow. This is a 2014 systematic review, so it's a little older, but it's still pretty good. Basically, the findings were, this was all lower extremity, but ACL injury was linked to a successive injury of the same ACL and injuries in the lower extremity and hamstring specifically. There was also subsequent ipsilateral hamstring and knee injuries. Previous Achilles tendon rupture increased the risk of an analogous injury on the contralateral side. An ankle sprain was associated with a re-injury of either the ipsilateral or the contralateral ankle. And post-injury changes were present in strength, proprioception, kinematics, which may have led to overall changes in motor control and function. Hmm. So. Did they take into consideration whether or not somebody may not have completed their rehab? No. No. They just looked at the total number and reviewed each. So there are some variables that they didn't look at. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah. And then the second kind of interesting take was a uh, 2005, so again a little bit older, but look at injury history as a risk factor for incident injury in youth soccer. So this was under 12s to under 18 specifically, and it found, or its conclusion was, injury history was associated with an increased injury rate. This suggested that even these youth soccer players, those with an injury history, may be at higher risk. They looked at over 5,000 player, players um, with or sorry, over 5,000 player seasons, which tracked over 171,000 different athletes. Oh, wow. Um, so pretty... That's a pretty substantial pretty sample big, group, I would Pretty big. Think. This came from the British Journal of Sports Medicine. So 60, almost 60% reported an injury. The unadjusted injury rate was somewhere between 4.3 to 4.9 incidents per 1,000 athlete exposures. Not a huge opportunity for injury, but when it did present, it was more likely to occur in someone who'd injured themselves before. Okay. What was the what was the age group? So under twelve to under eighteen. Okay. So soccer yeah. groups. So they're you know So youth soccer. There's a that that would explain that the somewhat lower injury rate, I mm-hmm. would think. Yeah. But I mean a sixty percent and I guess self reporting has limitations to its Value, but this is then what they do. They did a Pozosin regression modeling indicating that players with one previous injury had a twofold greater risk of incident of injury, and those with two or more previous injury had a threefold greater risk of incident injury compared with athletes with no previous injuries. If you hurt your knee twice, you're probably going to do it again. If you hurt your knee once, you might do it again. Yep, so, makes sense. So there's definitely a fair number of studies out there that certainly see previous injury as a, as a meaningful risk factor in f- 
future injury. Guess what? That's where physical therapy comes in. It certainly helps, right? Especially when you look at the deficits in strength, proprioception, and kinematics. You'd think so. It's Those are all three things that are going to ride up our alley. It's kind right? of our department for the most part. Um, the other big takeaway from some of my research here, um, age is a risk factor. So younger age is associated with better outcomes than older age. This goes across the board. As mentioned, the 12 to 18 year old age group is probably less likely than the 25 to 40 age group and the 40 to 60 age group, et cetera, et cetera. As a prevention, they found in the youth age group, there is no better injury prevention than adequate sleep, nutrition, and hydration. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That, that's interesting. So, you know, eight hours of sleep a night, making sure that your nutrition is, is fairly well taken care of in terms of not volume of food necessarily, but one that you have enough, Quality. but also that you eat the right sort of foods. You're not just eating a lot of uh, candy and soda, we, for we, instance. We were just talking about Tom Brady's longevity, right? Yep. So no nightshades. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I almost consider doing a nightshade trivia question. Okay. Because what part of the potato is the nightshade? Uh, got me. Because it's it's not it's not the part that we eat. It's the it's the leafy greens of a oh, potato. Oh, it is. Okay. Yep. So they have a uh, they have a poisonous level. I don't know of anyone who eats that. I've never really even seen those personally. I mean, I know you pull them out of the ground that way, but then they're gone. So. You know, a lot of times you don't pull them out of the ground that way. You just let them die off, and then you just till up the ground. Oh, that's a good point, too. With a pitchfork. Yep. Story for another day, yeah. I suppose. Um, but, yes, sleep is basically averaging eight hours a night is highly encouraged in individuals <laughs> for, yeah. for recovery. I like, I like that's going to happen. Yeah. I'm, then, I'm glad if I average five hours a night. Yep. You're also not a... Professional athlete. Anymore. Whoa, anymore. whoa. Anymore. There's potential. You could come. You could make a comeback. <laughs> In the dart circuit. There's a, there's a potential. Oh, we haven't talked about your darting ability. No. Yeah. So previous injury is certainly a risk factor and something to take into consideration when looking at potential injury risk. And I think we see that across the board. Right? You see that, say, NFL Combine. Right. If somebody has torn their ACL in college, they will tend to drop down the draft boards of most teams. If somebody has another interesting injury of note, I mean, most of the information out of the combine that the teams really care about aren't necessarily how many bench press reps you do. They're fun to talk about. But it's doing the interview and it's doing the medical assessment. And it's determining what you find on those individuals that may be uh, a warning sign or a, you know, a predictor of, of of future performance and or loss of performance. Yep, makes total so, sense, right? Because it's an investment. So it's an investment. You want to get the most out of your investment, and if somebody has pre-existing conditions or pre-existing injuries, they're more likely to get hurt again. Something to know. I yep. mean, what you also find yourself is if you bang your elbow once, you constantly bang that same elbow. <laughs> Why have I banged this elbow 40 times? Um, Stub your toe into the door. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and a lot of that can be related to, to certainly proprioception and kinematics, right? You, your body's perception of itself is now slightly different. You don't have that same ability to slightly avoid that door frame or edge of the counter or whatever it is you always hit. So definitely things to be careful of and pay attention to. Or if you're like one of my patients, for some odd reason, the door frame gets smaller. 
It's, it's believable. My, my father has, has told for many years that the tree jumped out in front of his car. So, <laughs> you know, there, there's possibility that door frames do increase nature, in size or shrink. Nature is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, this, it's interesting. And I think we, can, we could probably spend another half hour talking about the importance of, of completing your rehab instead of, you know, doing it only 90%. You know, that, that's got to be a contributing factor. Um, mechanics that led you to get injured, if you don't address those, that increases your injury Definitely. potential. So, um, yeah, interesting. Very fascinating. And then we've, I think we've put up the, the chart before in terms of like heal, physiological healing times for, for bone, tendon, muscle, and ligament, and how varied those are to actual recovery windows that people are told. So a ligament recovery will take more than 24 months from a physiological standpoint, but we anticipate being back from an ACL tear within 9 to 12 months. Well, because that's what the pros do. Right. Six so, months, actually, is the, is the benchmark now. And so, uh, you know, there's certainly conflicting concepts to actual research, you know, uh, available research at this point. Yeah. And we haven't and, yet quite figured out how to accelerate that physiological component. Well, and I think there's a, there's a misconception that if I am really strong, so if I have an ACL tear and I, I strengthen my quad and my hamstring, predominantly my hamstring, and I do testing and I'm within, you know, 5% of the uninjured leg, I'm good to go. That doesn't take into account what you said earlier, you know, proprioceptive ability or kinematic ability of that ligament, right? Because that ligament does more than just passively constrain the joint. So there, there's a proprioceptive ability there that uh, that is lost. And if you say that may take 24 months, I don't care how strong you are. If you if you pivot or twist the wrong way, there's a good chance that it will go. Um, yeah, you know, it's just throwing that out there. No, I think it's it's all part of the same conversation here. But I believe we're on to trivia time. How did we do on the answers in this uh, this week? We got more answers, couple. which is great. Yeah, I so, saw that Rob had a great answer. He did. He did indeed. Yeah. What is the deepest lake in the USA? Yeah. Uh, not Lake Granby. No, it our, is. Our, our Grand Lake. It was Crater Lake, which is in Oregon, uh, 1,943 feet. That's deep. Yeah, that's deep. Uh, it's one of the 10 deepest, actually, uh, well, lakes in the world so the deepest lake being in in russia i don't know how to pronounce it but where is it where is it no did you write it down no i don't know oh okay no. i was going to try to pronounce it oh, well that would be good but we have to say well done to to robert wrr try 365 robert Ooh, that robert that different robert and then we have to say good job meg meg o'connor made it Yep. May to go Meg, way to go Meg is what way I tried to, to say, go, but it came out the wrong way. <laughs> and <laughs> and way yeah, to go Meg. Robert Castillo gave us Lake Granby, which is the third largest body of water in Colorado. Yeah, not, not very not, deep though. Not 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 super deep. Yeah, I believe it's only about two hundred twenty-one feet deep. Yeah, um, which is kind of deep. I mean, I can't swim that far. No, so. no, absolutely. But yeah. it's like in the grand scheme of things, it, it's seventeen hundred feet up. Yeah, it's not meters. Not, not super close. Alan gave us Lake Michigan, which is 923 feet deep at its maximum point. Its average depth actually is not really that deep. No, Lake, it isn't. Lake Superior is considerably deeper than Lake Michigan. And then uh, Tony Korea gave us Lake Tahoe, which is the 16th deepest in the world at 1,644 feet. 
It's the, uh, I believe, the second deepest body of water in the United States. In the States. U.S., I think it is, yeah. yeah, which explains why it's always so flipping cold Really for anyone cold. who's swimming Lake Tahoe. Anyone who's in Tahoe this week got a buttload of snow. <laughs> yes, they did. The yeah. parking lot was snowed in. I mean, <laughs> there was five feet of snow in the parking lot. There was nowhere to park. It was insane. It was good stuff. That's when you take the snowmobile to yeah. the ski resort. Or put on your snowshoes or something. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't run the lifts. The lifts were buried. They had to dig the lifts out. Couldn't do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Incredible. Uh, we didn't see any of that. Nope. We need some. We got about four inches this week. Yeah. New question. What was the first vegetable grown in space? That's a good one. That's an appropriate one. I will give you uh, two tips on this one. The first one was uh, began as a seed and was actually grown aboard the Space Shuttle Columbia. Huh. The second one... Was, uh, was 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 nine years later. Uh, they used a what they call a Chinese method to produce a chamber-grown version. Huh. So uh, that's not going to help you at all. But you're nope. welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't get it right when I guessed. No. Chip time. Chip time. Actual Dutch French original. Dutch crunch chip. Kettle chips, potato chips from Old Dutch. These are our. Uh, Midwestern friends. They look good. They're out of, uh, was it Michigan? Wisconsin? Something like that. St. Paul, Minnesota? Minnesota. Minnesota. Old Dutch foods. There we go. They're fantastic. They, they look, um, did you know that old Dutch, Dutch crunch kettle cook chips are always gluten-free, always made with natural flavors? That one's always a little iffy, right? Could be beaver butt. Natural flavor, yeah. Always zero grams trans fat, always kosher, always cooked one small batch at a time, and of course, always made for great taste. We we saw this uh, the the kettle chips thing on the food factory. Yeah, that was good. Um, kettle chips look substantial substantially better than the Lay's factory. Yeah, they were they were both doing. <laughs> Where they making pressed yeah. potatoes? All right, diving in. Chip to air ratio, forty percent on this guy. I mean, we we tend to see a little bit more compression on chips when they travel. These are crunchy though. Yeah. You have a ton of so nice, nice they actually content. they actually keep crunching when you chew them, unlike a Lay's. We get a little skin on the edges of these. Mm -hmm. Great, not overly salty, but good salt flavor. Yeah. Unlike the caramel salted ones. How do you put salted in the name last week and actually not have salt? I don't know what happened. I think the sugar was so overpowering. These are yummy. These are delightful. Very solid, original flavor. They're chip. surprisingly crunchy mm -hmm. for being so thin. Yeah, no, they're good. Because they're not like the rippled kettle chips or the kettle brand. And look how little um, oil there is off of the chip onto the paper that we good. put them on. We should probably start doing the oil quotient. That's a good point. Mm. I'm going to go two thumbs up right here. Really yeah. solid. I'm going to join you. Yeah. You know, um, there's nothing special to these. But sometimes that's exactly what you want. You just want Definitely. to munch on a whole bag of chips. These, come, these are going to go down in about 45 minutes. These are going to go great with just about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well done, Old Dutch. Good job. Good job. Mm -mm. Thank you for listening today. Next week, we're going to cover the quote-unquote failed surgical procedure. Yeah, I'm not saying anything. Nope, we'll get there. And then we're going to review the... Uba Foods Kulhai Kaji, which is a, a sort of a tuna jerky type of 
chippy thing from the Maldives that we got from Kim. So we're looking forward it, to that. It's funny because we've had we've shown them to several of our patients, and everybody goes like, "Yeah," and I'm actually really looking forward to these. I can't. See, this is not working out well. Everything Kem has given us in the past has been it's good. It's been so delicious. So I'm going to have to just run, the, the, run with that. The, the two chips that came from Southeast Asia that were like shrimp and squid mm-hmm. and yep. Yep. delicious. So uh, yeah. pss, this is going to rock. It's going to be really good. Thanks again, Kem, for keeping us chipped up. Yeah, we appreciate it. If you like today's episode, please tell your friends. Follow, review, subscribe. Give us a follow this week on Instagram and Twitter. We'll be posting more information related to basically previous injury and as how that relates to being a risk factor for future injury. If you want more information about rebound therapy, head to the website, reboundclinic.com. He's Jimmer. I'm Christian. Thanks for listening.